0: This episode has bad words. You are listening to Diner Discussions.
1: What's up everybody? My name's Aaron and this is Diner Discussions. So if you've been here before, welcome, welcome back. And uh, if you've never been here, slide in a booth. We'll get you some coffee and uh, get you some breakfast. But until that time... I've got a guest here that we're going to learn a lot from today. Uh, how are you doing?
0: I'm oh, How are you doing today?
1: Doing pretty good. It's freezing in the studio. We forgot to turn the heater on, so uh,
0: it's uh, a little it's, cold. It's a very cold day in Milwaukee today. I am ready for summer.
1: Yeah. In Oklahoma, you know, like an inch of ice is freezing for us. So I can't imagine. That's fair. <laughs> So, um, what, what is your name and what do you go by on, um, socials? My name is Kirsta. Um, also known
0: as Karkoopsi on TikTok and Instagram and Patreon YouTube, um, which means watermelon in Greek and I was adopted as a baby in America. I am the end product of the supply and demand multi-billion dollar for-profit industry that is adoption in America. And I have been in reunion with my birth family for three years. My birth mom was American, born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. She had a thing for Greek men. My father was a visiting Greek sailor from Greece. Met my mom. They had a fling. And here I am 31 years later. And I am going to Greece in able to hopefully meet him and if if not him, other family members, he doesn't know I'm coming now. But that's, you know, a very short detailed version of, you know, my whole situation, what I talk about
1: on my platform. Yeah. I actually discovered you from uh, a friend of the show. Her name is Meg Ray and she, uh, she was like, you absolutely have to have her on the show. And so um, we reached out and luckily, you know, you said yes. And um, one of the things that, like, I, my my family, um, I have a aunt who was adopted and it was kind of a weird situation. She still doesn't know who her parents are or anything like that. It was kind of traumatic on that end. Um, and so I kind of connected with that and was like, I, I really would like to, to know more.
0: Yeah, I don't think people really understand that adoption is indeed an industry. Adoption and the child welfare industry combined, as of last year, were valued at almost $20 billion. billion with a B. Dollars. And when I speak out on, you know, needing adoption reform for, you know, multiple reasons that we'll get into, people are like, oh, we must be anti-adoption. No, I'm not anti-adoption but we need adoption reform because the system that we have normalized in America has got to go yeah. It employs poor people. It takes advantage of adopted families for families, adoptees for these agencies to make a quick buck. And, you know, people have the idea that adoption is always the what's the best for the child. It's saving a child. Is that adoption is, the child, then why is an adoption agency charging twenty dollars to $40,000 for that child? They'll say it's for home study fees, um, advertising, agency application, but why, why is it costing so much money? I've seen adoption agencies charge $25,000 to $4,500 just for a home study through their agency. If it, it is truly giving that kid a, a good home, why are you charging thousands of dollars to even just prove that first part? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand why we allow adoption agencies to exist. Many adoption agencies are filed as nonprofits. However, if you go to Open corporate, you can look and type in adoption agency, and you can look at adoption agency in the state of America. That are filed and licensed as a for profit, for profit industry or an LLC. Like it literally says domestic for profit. Adoption agencies, they're quote unquote helping children. A lot of this started with Georgia Can, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Georgia Can, but she is the person who really normalized all of the predatory practices in adoption. And when I mean predatory practices in adoption, please keep in mind to anyone listening, I am specifically talking about private infant adoption that happened right after birth. And this is a system that targets and coerces young pregnant people to give up their children for adoption. So that's the system that we're talking about here, just so everyone understands. So Georgia Pan was in Tennessee. She ran a children's home. And she started running an adoption agency and charging money for children. She would kidnap children. She would lie to parents. Like, she'd say, I'm going to help with the birth. She really takes children from the hospital. It's you know, and it's also estimated that a lot of children lost their lives while under her care at her home wow. before they were adopted. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't want to go into it because it's really it's really, really brutal. There's lots of podcasts on Georgia Can. I have a few TikToks if anyone's interested. But everything she did was seen as absolutely horrible, you know, praying in low-income areas, knocking on people's doors, talking about adoption, placing advertisements. Placing advertisements for children in catalogs and literally saying things like "Take Me Home by Christmas." Wow! So placing children for adoption is nothing new. Um, But a lot of the stuff that she ended up getting like arrested for and was going to be held accountable for in court, she couldn't because she ended up passing away before she uh, went to court. But a lot of the stuff that she was in legal trouble for, adoption agencies do all the time. Yeah, like. I think adoption agencies place advertisements in malls, and with and will say things like is a loving option," like a, you know, for some of the big pregnant belly. I've had people send me screenshots of people set up um, of pictures that they get at, they see online of people passing out like business cards and moving them in bathrooms and then, like gas stations and stuff, saying, you know, if you're pregnant and scared, give us your baby for adoption. Wow. Um, yeah, people will literally find any nook and cranny of where they think a poor person might be, or you know, someone you know, someone vulnerable, and be like, "Hey, I want your baby. give your baby." What other country? What other country does something like that? Like it's so normalized. And I understand that people, you know, might struggle with fertility, or you know, having a child, whatever, whatever reason they can't family plan the you know, "quote unquote" traditional way. It doesn't make it okay to support this system. That is targeting poor people, telling these people you are not good enough for your child, literally threatening legal action if they back out of an adoption they are considering.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, there's a there's a very you know there's a TikToker right now. I'm not going to say her name. She has me blocked. She's talking about how she got scammed on on Facebook trying kind to of adopt the baby, and she's saying I'm going to sue on defense sue. And everyone's like, I can't believe she's doing that. I can because a lot of adoptive parents or prospective adoptive parents will do that when, you know, someone they're hoping to live with their baby to them is like having full feet. My own birth mom had full feet about doing it for adoption up until the day I was born. And she like was missing in action for a few days, like when she first made contact with my birth parents and my adoptive parents. And keep in mind, she's in New Orleans, Louisiana. My adoptive parents were in upstate New York so my adopted mom started so getting very sleepy and like calling her adopt mom and stuff I'm trying to figure out what my birth mom was because she like was getting cold feet up and picking me up for adoption my adoptive parent's lawyer figured out my where my birth mom was staying like at a friend's house and sent her a letter basically saying um you know you still can decide to keep this baby but please know there might be legal repercussions wow so yeah and I just if, if people were just, you know, would scrape away the rainbow of adoption, like the happy ever after story for five minutes and just really think about it, you know, people with more money, I can't have a baby. So I'm going to go to an agency or place as an myself and convince someone who doesn't make as much money who might be vulnerable that I will give their child a better home than they ever could. Yeah. And that's what has been normalized with private infant adoption, and I don't think many people have ever just you know sat on
2: it. Yeah.
0: and you know, there's kinds where adoptions are in the best interest of the child, but there's no there's no absolute reason why we need to be charging $20,0 to dollars in in adoption. It is basically being baby growers. Yeah, other other countries so all adoptions through the state. And you know they don't have adoption agencies
1: placing advertisements in malls or targeting 18 to 25 year old females on Facebook. Yeah, it was horrific listening to um, one of your TikToks where you were talking about how they were describing these children and on the Facebook groups um, as being like handsome boy rehoming them and stuff like that. Um, it just sounded like they were talking about animals. And it breaks my heart.
0: Yes, yeah, and I don't think there's any good way to, you know, say, "Hey, this kid needs a new home." Could I read a few of these from uh, from a from the adoption agency that rehomes it? Well, sorry, they say they don't rehome children, but you know, someone who handles children who are unadopted and need a second adoption. Can I read a few? Yeah, of course. Okay, now, friends, before I read, just keep in mind. That all the names I say are safe. and these are all posted on a public Facebook page by a legal and accredited adoption agency. I want to make this very clear. What I'm about to read does not violate any laws, and Facebook does not see a problem with it. Okay. So these are all some screenshots that I have on my phone from an adoption agency called Second Chance Adoption. This is not a personal vendetta against them. They just know we're a big agency that does this kind of stuff. So, you know, I have a lot of screenshots showing how they talk about children. So, let's read. First post. Can you resist this adorable boy? Please help us again and again and again by sharing this to your Facebook page. David is five years old and was born to a birth mother who is a relative to the current adopted family. The present adopted family has five biological children and another adopted child in addition to David. He needs a new, smaller home with no other children, age group around him where he can flourish. So he can get plenty of love and attention. This new home should have no other children under the age of So this one isn't horrible compared to what I'm going to read, but what I don't like about this quote, they mentioned that. The adopted child who is getting unadopted a new home has his birth mother's in his adopted family, so it's some kind of, pinch of adoption. Something tells me no one went to his mom first, his biological mother, and said, "Hey, what would you need to parent your child?" Or like, would you like that option? Yeah. Maybe she probably doesn't. But I, you know, why did he mention it in in here? I don't know. I just, yeah, it makes me wonder, but. This next one, the the first sentence, the first sentence. This is post number two. Again, these are legal friends. These are legal posts. This child is being relisted. Relisted. This child is being relisted. Would you share this to your Facebook page? Alexi, H. 10, was adopted as a two-year-old from an orphanage in Eastern Europe to a military family. One month after bringing Alexi home, both parents were deployed at the same time for fifteen months, where one parent was eventually injured. Her parents have worked to help her overcome the effects of this unfortunate beginning. No, you have not, because you are rehoming her. You are getting rid of her. So, later, so just for a clear, Alexi, they're we, they're getting rid of her at age ten. They have her at age two. So they kept these trials for eight years and then they're like you know what see ya yeah. it's, it's not you're going to notice a lot of these kids are around the age of 9 to 14 so this is when kids you know are leaving childhood and entering adolescence yeah. and you know kids get mouthy as they get older like they're becoming you know they're, they're learning how to talk back and defend themselves like that so it, it does make me wonder are these people just like mad they can't like you know, fully take control of these kids as they're getting a little bit older. Yeah. All right, now the next one. <laughs> hmm. Again, legal post, public. Anyone can see this page. Available. Please help us. We are relisting this child because we have not had a new family step forward. Please share this to your Facebook page. Jesse is a very handsome lad who was adopted as a youngster from Africa. Handsome lad is how they're describing a child. Handsome. Do people not understand the the predators on the internet? Like, that's my big issue make they're all public. And they're like, we changed the name, we changed the name. You're still posting pictures, you're still posting things you like, you know, easy ways to manipulate them. All right, now this next one is not from an adoption group. It's from a group called parenting fetal alcohol syndrome kids. Fetal alcohol syndrome is, you know, a condition that happens when a parent parent uses substances while they're utero that has an impact on the child's development, you know, IQ in some way. So it's called fetal alcohol syndrome. So this is from one of those groups. I am writing from a licensed adoption agency, and I am looking for families interested in legally adopting a 10-year-old girl with undiagnosed but possible fetal alcohol syndrome. Are there any families with adoption experience in this group? Sarah is a great hugger and tells her family members she loves them. Yeah, and you know, they just go on and on about her life. It's like she has an overbite, and it needs to be treated with orthodontics, but it hasn't been addressed yet. She is working below her grade level, but teachers report that she does a good job and continues to grow. It's a giant, and you know, I'm just skimming, but this is paragraph and paragraph about a child. And do you think they ask this kid, like, and and again, I know they, like, hide the name, but then they add pictures. Yeah. And you know, uh, I'm I'm a music teacher, and when I am doing video projects with kids, even young kids, I always ask first, "Do you want to be recorded?" Because of you know, COVID and stuff, I've done like I've uploaded videos to social media, stuff I've been doing to the and I always tell kids, even kindergartners, if you don't want to be recorded, you don't have to. And sometimes kids like say, "I don't want to be recorded." They might be young, but like they give their consent. Yeah. Just ask them permission. They're still a kid. And I, I think it's important to keep in mind that children in general are scripted as a person, but so I think a lot of people just forget that kids are people because, you know, you can't have a full conversation like you and me are having. They're still a human. Yeah. They're going to grow into an adult, hopefully. And they're going to reflect and you treated them while they were a child. Yeah. And this this next one's really alarming. I'm only going to read the first paragraph. This is another legal post in the second kind of documentation page. Ethan is a six-year-old boy adopted from Africa at three and a half years of age. He has a lean frame, shining eyes, a beautiful smile, and soft curly hair. Ethan has a curious nature and lively intellect. His IQ has been measured to be good and he loves to read what his with his parents before bedtime. He loves to read with his parents who are getting rid of him. But, you know, describe him as having a lean Frame and shiny eyes and soft hair. Yeah. I want to read one more because this one really. um, Okay, this is our last one, friends. I don't read a lot, but this one. Jonathan is a nine year old boy who was adopted from an underdeveloped country near the US. He has US citizenship. Jonathan loves chores, he has a great work ethic. He loves to work in the house and outside he will leave the garden for hours. He would be possible and take this work seriously. He likes to organize and he even makes his bed every day without prompting. So, underdeveloped country near the United States that's code for Haiti, a black child. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of people adopting are white, conservative, yeah. you know, affluent people. So, I think it's in very bad taste that you are advertising a black child who needs a new home by how much he loves doing manual labor and chores to a very predominantly white community that, you know, has shown time and time again they don't really do their research or show any good allies to the black community or, you know, other marginalized people. So, just to be clear, the first thing I decided to do was spend an entire paragraph about how much he loves doing manual labor. But those are some screenshots. Thanks for letting me read those, but that's and that's just
1: a few
0: I have on my phone. Yeah. All legal, anyone can see those.
1: I noticed that like when you are looking at the ones that are black children, a lot of them mention their IQs and stuff, which is kind of you know, super racist, I think.
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't want to overstep my my, you know, boundary, like, you know, being a, a white woman. But to anyone listening, please make sure you are listening to the voices of transracial adoptees as well. Transracial adoption means you are adopted by a race that does not match your own. It's not always, but it's mostly black children being adopted by white families. And again, I I can't speak to the experience, but please make sure you're listening to the voices of transracial adoptees because there are added layers to that that I simply cannot relate to because I'm white and was raised by white families So please make sure because
1: there are issues within that and, you know, on top of the internet and the international adoption, there's also issues with international adoption. Please make sure you're following, um, multiple adoptee voices
0: because all our experiences are different. Yeah. So, um, when did you decide like to be an adoptee advocate? Like, um, how does that, how did you start? Um, uh, well, honestly, so my adopted mother was, you know, very abusive, and I kind of went acknowledging until after she passed away, and she passed away in 2017, and then I was like, you know, I finally feel like I'm it, it's safe enough to do a DNA test. But mm-hmm. so then I it off for another year because, you know, that's like a scary step, and I I got a DNA test in December of 2018, and I started getting really impatient. So I was like, you know what? I thought if I posted in New Orleans Facebook group, like I could find someone who knew my mom. Like I just decided one day, it was January 18th, 2019. I decided one day, I'm going to find my family. Yeah. I'm not waiting for the DNA test. I got really impatient. So I posted a picture of myself holding the sign saying, Hi, my name is Chris Bowman. I was born on blah, blah, blah. I was born on blah, blah, blah. Um, my birth mom is blah, blah, blah. Please share this. I'm hoping to find, you know, any siblings or my family. And it got like maybe 2,000 shares within two to like, three hours. And um, it was Friday night. I started to some wine, not gonna lie. And this woman messaged me, she's like, Hey, I know your mom. And I know that she got remarried a few times. My mom was married, my grandma was married many times. After, like, I knew where you were when she was pregnant with me, but we lost touch um, a few years after that. You know, look up, you know, this last name and see what pops up. So I went to White Pages, I typed in the name suggestion that she gave me, and like, new name popped up. So my birth mom's name popped up with a different last name, and then another name that I don't want to say because I want to protect my sister's identity, but it was, a, it was a Greek name. And I was like, huh. So I copied and pasted it into Facebook. And then a woman in her 40s was smiling back at me with a very, very similar shaped face. Mm-hmm. And this is like three and a half hours after I made this post. Like three and a half hours after I said, I want to find my yeah. family. And I messaged her and I said, hi, my name is Kirsten. I was adopted by a baby. Riva was my birth mom. I'm just trying to find any family. And, you know, she's like, like, you know, five years old to me. clearly different a generation, maybe, maybe an old friend of my mom's or something. So me and my husband walked to the store to get another bottle of wine. So, so like, an hour later, like, not even five hours, I get a response from this person. Yes, oh, my God, Cursa, you are my sister. She's like, I have been looking for you. Wow. She thought my name was Pearson, which happens in all time, and she thought I was born on December 3rd when I was born right over midnight. So, she had wrong identifying information, but she had been looking for me. Um, I found out that, you know, all my siblings were much older than me. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's 16 years older than me. My brother's 20 years older. My other sister's put up twenty years, 21 years older than me. And, you know, this is like, this is the first time I've ever, ever in my life talked to anyone who I share, like, a drop of blood with, someone who is not in my adopted world, my adopted family, someone outside of that realm, that umbrella. And I just like froze when I read the message. And my husband was actually playing video games. He like, Are you okay? And I just like started crying. I'm like ah! <laughs> and I started freaking out. And it's like it, it happened so quick, like, you know, within five hours and I was on my second bottle of wine and let's just say I honestly I stopped drinking wine after this night because I woke up with the worst over my life. Yeah. Like dead-ass, like, I have not had, I have not had a life since it was, um, but now it's so it was, like, a really bad hangover, and, you know, we felt, like, all night talking, and, like, it was just really a for at first, when we first started talking, you know, then I found out we have a, I have a brother, he was 20 when I was born, he doesn't really remember me that much, um, you know, I did find out that my first mom passed away two years prior, so, mm. I, I missed my mom by three years which sucks, but, you know, I can't change it. But, you know, that's how I found my birth family. And then I finally started letting myself, you know, accept and acknowledge I struggled. I had issues with being adopted. Like, I always knew that I did. Mm-hmm. But now that I found my family and, like, I could really reflect on how horrible I got this mom was to me. Um, I just, you know, started, like, posting on, you know, my personal page and, you know, my personal page is Carpoozie. You know, yeah, and then I started just making reels because you know I got something. Another new feature came up. I wasn't like purposely trying to be like my docsy advocate. I'm just kind of like, hey, this sucks, and I'm gonna talk about it. Yeah, and I was really just at the times like you know it's my like people that I followed and stuff in, like high school, and college, and then you know the reels started picking up, and then people were like, you really need to make TikTok, you really need to make TikTok, and I was like, no, 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 <laughs> that's for young people. Yeah. I don't do the dances. But, you know, I started posting TikToks in May, and it it really took off. And, yeah, I didn't really think I'd have some people, like, listening to what I have to say or actually, like, caring or being an ally for adoptees, but it's really fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I hate that it has had to include me, you know, showing screenshots of how people truly treat and receive adopted children. Not everyone. Again, not everyone. But how they do get treated. Yeah. And it's really awesome that there's so many people who aren't adopted, who you know know some adopted or don't know someone adopted, and they just like want to support because they are seeing how like city, the industry of adoption has treated us as people. We've been stripped of our personhood, we've been evangelized and joined by at the same time. And it's just really awesome that people are starting to notice. And I just I hope that we get the reform that we need, which includes more. Welfare programs to prevent the coercive of practices of infant adoption and people don't deserve their child because they don't have health insurance. Other countries that you don't know, have health insurance and stuff, they don't have infant adoption like rates Yeah. Someone someone on one of my TikTok comments the other day, Norway, if a person's struggling, like you know, they get help, they get free medical care, they can get like, you know, so much money to help. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it no way you need people who
1: get help. Don't like think they need to give their kids up. Yeah. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense actually, because you know, a lot of women I've noticed that even think of adoption are usually from either broken homes or like are doing it by themselves. Usually like, you know, cause it'll be like a 16 year old girl who's been excommunicated by her family. Instead, you know, if she was set up with proper, you know, funds in our country to actually not shun those people, but talk to them and, and help them out. And, and a program for that, I think the numbers would
0: different. Um, to anyone listening who wants to learn more, I highly suggest the book American Baby that goes into like the shadow history of adoption. Mm-hmm. But actually, adopt- infant adoption rates have been going down, 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 um, partially because of access to birth control now for young people but also because there's less stigma around being a young mom or a yeah. teen mom, you more expected for families to help out their young, um, unwed, pregnant, you know, yeah. person in their family. Because what American babies baby really goes into, and the book The Girl Who Went Away, which is about maternity homes, like if you were pregnant and not married, you've got a central maternity home by your family, They could legally sign your baby away for you, even if you were 18, due to something called wayward minor laws, and then you'd be forced to give this child up, and then sometimes they wouldn't, they you pay your own medical bills, like while you were there, and then you weren't allowed to know what happened to your baby at all. The the baby went to the adoption agency, the the adoption agency held on to the baby until they found a family that was a good fit. They and the baby never knew the identity of their own mom like field records, you don't have to
1: know wow yeah. that's got to be tough because not knowing even i don't know just not knowing would totally make you feel like you don't have an identity
0: many adopted people in america do not have legal access to their original birth certificate including myself Mm. I have no idea how or why, but I do have a copy that has my birth name on it, McBride, not Bowman, and has my birth mom's name as my mother and no father listed. But if I went to the state of Louisiana and said I want a copy of my original, they would tell me no, and I would get an altered copy. Wow. Now, also keep in mind, I have papers and stuff, but no, there's some there's some adoptees out there in my same situation who. The doctor's parents just won't tell them the name of their birth mother. And they're not given access to their own birth certificate. So they don't know the name. And people are like, well, they don't want to be found. I don't being found and knowing the name of the person who gave birth to you are two completely different things. You know, one argument that i completely support is the people who gave birth to you, that's medical information.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because not knowing like their ailments and stuff, like, or if your family's had cancer, um, could really you know screw you a long term,
0: and that's um that's a, that's an issue I also see donors and speech people also have with anonymous donations. Um, I, I don't want to speak over them, but I, I see that that's a struggle sort of as well as not being given any medical information. Yeah. Um, and, you know, adoption agencies have a history of like keeping that what middle and of- sorry, I'm talking to that. Adoption agencies have. A record of not giving,
2: you know,
0: medical information out as to these donor-conceived
1: yeah. places about sperm and eggs. It's just a—it's treating us like an object. and you're saying, we don't deserve our own information. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's tough to uh, hear. Uh, honestly, like my wife, I told her kind of what we were going to talk about, and she was like. That doesn't happen, does it? Really? And I was like, Yeah, you know. Like I didn't know about it either. And
0: I went on I I went on TikTok three separate times and just read all those spread screens, those screenshots I read earlier. And someone starts arguing me in the comments and I I like I provided like another screenshot as like proof. It said this doesn't happen, I said, Yes it does, here you go. Uh they recorded the they my live and I can't like go on live until like March. Oh wow. Yeah. So like that's also the kind of stuff that happens. Um, yeah. Like uh,
1: it's easier to deny something than to accept that, you know, horrible things happen all around us.
0: Yeah. And, and again, like I think that's an issue with like the happy adoption narrative. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know, someone knows someone adopted and they like, they can't handle the thought. Like they might've struggled in some way with being adopted. Yeah. And it's like, you can love your adopted family. You can love people within your adopted family who we've known the, within that circle. That doesn't mean that you can't still struggle and, you know, grieve for the things that never happened because you were adopted. The adoption happily ever after narrative doesn't allow adoptees really to grieve for what we lose when we adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, and adopted parents have to be able to sit with uncomfortable things. Adoptees, these kids and adults have to say. I was not allowed to have questions about
2: my going
0: up because it was it was my doctor's mother. I wasn't allowed to ask questions about my birth mom. Yeah. Because it upset her. And you know, besides the fact that she was pretty abusive to me, you know, I can ask questions about my own life, my own existence, because it upset her. Yeah. You knew, you are the parent and you have to be able to sit with it. And if you can't, you have to practice being able to bit with it. You don't have to agree with it. You don't
1: have to like it. But that is my truth. As someone who has lived spirit. yeah. And in my eyes, she chose you, and she made that decision. You didn't have that choice. So for her to say yeah. that is super selfish. Like
0: <laughs> adoption is a contract that like most people don't consent to be in.
1: Yeah. Um. So I know it's not really the same, but it, it kind of has. Um you know, some similarities, my, my wife, um, has two daughters. Um, one of them is 14 and the other's 11. Um, and the oldest knew her dad for like two or three years. Um, and then he, you know, cut town and left and didn't come back. The other one, um, was a baby. And so, um, as a you know a father like of a son, myself stepping in, um it was really important to me that if they had questions about who their dad was, that you know we answer anything that we knew, and also with them this year, we've tried to go back because they're Spanish um they're from Spain, like originally like their family, they're third generation Americans, I think um is what we found out. And we are trying to go back and like look through their family history. So they'll know at least the names of like their grandma and, you know, their great grandma and everything that we have, you know, for them, because, you know, like we were talking about earlier, identity to me is a huge thing. Cause I, it's important to me that I'm, you know, part Chickasaw and that I have, um, black family and, um, I kind of know where my roots are. Um, that's a huge thing for me. Um, I can't imagine not. So for them, I want to at least provide them with the information. If they say, hey, I don't want to know this, that's fine. You still have it when you do.
0: Yeah. Um, like, you know, I've, I've been talking a lot lately because I want to reach very soon to meet birth family. I don't know if I'm going to ever a father or not. Because, like, I'm pretty sure I'm a result of prostitution. And that's one reason why he's so reluctant. No marriage, never had kids. You know, old summer yeah. Greek man, old country, whatever. Um, but like, that doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to know who he is and like, see his picture. Yeah. And like, if he can't handle, like, if he, if he can't handle that, like, you know, you're the one who made the decision to have a relationship with my mom that ended, you know, in creating me. Yeah. Like I can't force him to have a relationship. I mean, I really hope he does. Um, but you know, at least I know who he is. It's. I wish he would at least tell me himself, I want nothing to do with you, because yeah. that would honestly just really help me move on. And I know that my son would be cool to say, like, I want my father to tell me out, he wants nothing to do with me. Because it's it's more frustrating when I have to rely on, like, hearing, like, you know, a translated version from my aunt. Mm-hmm. From my, uh, well, literally, my aunt, I can't talk to my uncle because my uncle doesn't speak English. Um, but yeah, so that's. I'm I'm getting pretty nervous.
2: I
1: regardless
0: if I meet him or not, I will be meeting other family. They haven't
1: told him I'm coming yet. Um, yeah, everything's every on fire, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than like the obvious stuff that's you know you're expecting and kind of worried about, I can't imagine the like elation you feel to finally be able to like go there and visit. Um, do you have any expectations of like what what you're going to see when you get there? As far as like family and stuff?
0: Um, well, so you know, I haven't actually ever talked to my father. Um, I've been in contact with my aunt, his sister in law. And, you know, her, her husband is my uncle, but he doesn't speak English, so I can Yeah. Um I know I'm going to see them a lot. I have i made friends with quite a bunch of like third cousins and extended family. I think I'm going to be meeting a lot more people than I've been told about. Yeah. I honestly feel like I'm like the the um I don't want to say secret or joke, but I don't know like hot hot gossip in the family because it's like I message a new cousin, they're like, oh yeah, I heard about you. Oh no. Oh yeah, my mom told me about you. I'm like great. <laughs> Yeah, like right. like I know there's been some conversations about between people I've never even seen people I haven't even talked to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird because I feel like I've been put on a pedestal a little bit, and I don't want to be. But it's like I'm literally, but uh, I'm putting myself on it because I'm literally coming from grief as like, um, you know, the surprise surprise child wedlock someone wedding. Like, hey. <laughs> Like, my father, I guess, used to joke about having kids all over the world when his travels, you know, from being a sailor. And I was like, well, surprise! Here I am. Yeah. But even if I don't meet him, we will be in the same city because he lives in the same city as everyone else that I'm meeting in the city I'm staying in. Yeah. So, I'm like, I would be so close yet so far away. I'm getting, I'm getting nervous to
1: talk about it. <laughs> not, not to, like, make light of it or, like, make a joke, but um, when you were talking oh, about like that... It reminded me of Mama Mia, where she doesn't know which one's her father.
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's totally what it was, because literally at one point, like, I knew I belonged to, like, this part of the family, like, this, I'll say Thomas is the last name, Not that's not the actual last name. Yeah. But it's like, I know I belong to the Thomas family. There's multiple families in the Thomas family, which one yeah. was in New Orleans in the 1990. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, uh, a Greek a Greek podcast reached out to me that, like talks about like Greek families and stuff. And they're like, hey, can you email? It was like um this morning. I'm like, yeah, like I'll email you, but like long
1: story short, of my life like reverse Mama Mia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean I do like
1: Ada. Ada, I like Yeah. No. That's yeah. it's always it's timeless, um honestly. Like I actually showed some of ABBA's songs to my kids recently and they were singing them so I was like oh man you know it's fun <laughs> yeah. yeah I did like a disco concert one year and like
0: well I did like disco and songs with kids and we did like Earth and Fire, Stevie Wonder Gloria Gaynor oh yeah it was awesome that, loved
1: it. that sounds incredible so um, how long will you be staying over there Um, when will you be returning all that